good morning, Greenville, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, brought to you by the Highland Terrace Baptist Church right here in Greenville, Texas. On each broadcast, you'll hear moving interviews and a great message by the pastor of Highland Terrace, Dr. Chet Haney. So turn up your radio and call a friend. You may find that today you're the one who will be touched by... lesson that the listening is more important than the brilliant answers exactly yeah the power of being present Mm. and just that compassion Mm -hmm. to really care about what this person's sharing with you it's a gift absolutely you can give someone it's amazing okay now speaking of that um i know that your commitment to each other and to God, uh, to go and to serve um, in such a way that is so far away, you had to go all in. Mm-hmm. You can't just dabble mm-hmm. in your calling or in your work. You've got to make a uh, an all-in lifetime commitment. And that affects your families as well, doesn't it? Your Definitely. extended family, your parents. Yes. It affects your marriage. Um, could you just describe a little bit maybe how um, that creates challenges for people on the field? Uh, because I'm sure that a lot of uh, parents, you know, are very supportive. And I'm sure that there are other cases where it can be a huge challenge to get on the same page. Yes, definitely. I have experienced extreme support from my family, but at the same time, their love for me, their desire to be near me, my family's love language, if you know what that is, Mm -hmm. is quality time. So being hanging out together. Yes. In person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anyway, not being able to be in person for life events takes a really big toll on my family, Mm -hmm. on my mom in particular. Yeah. And I first started with a seven-month placement Mm -hmm. with an agency. And after that finished, you know, continued the conversation with my parents. I know I am called to do this, mom and dad, but Mm -hmm. it is a full family commitment. It really is. And we continued that conversation. I will say everyone in my family has grown spiritually because of where James and I are. And their faith, my mom's in particular, has really changed um, because she's had to let go. Yeah. had the coolest plumber come to fix my leak. Mm -hmm. A guy named Charles Schaus with an S. Excellent. All he does is fix foundation leaks. He's the plumber that plumbers call. Right. His daughter, he has one only child, felt called by the Lord to go to Papua New Guinea. Oh, wow. And he was in my house telling us the other day that his wife said, what are you going to do to stop this? Talking to him about his daughter. You got to stop this. What are you going to do to stop this? And he finally just told her, he said, I'm not going to stop it. In fact, I'm going to do everything I can to encourage it. I'm going to get behind it and I'm going to help it happen. And she went down there and I think she was on the mercy ships. And now she and her husband, I believe, have uh, 
served with YWAM and just amazing, you know, the things that God has uh, done in their lives. And it was such a joy. I mean, he was just choked up, crying, telling us mm-hmm. about this. He loves his daughter. He thinks she's the most awesome person in the world. And um, it was it was amazing uh, to hear all of this. Well, James, can you um, tell us a little bit about uh, the importance of having the Bible in one's own language? Yeah, let's let's do a little exercise. Okay. Because a lot of people will say, well, we've got Bibles and languages. Why don't we just help people learn that language and then they have yeah. access to the Bible or yeah. even a language that they might know a little bit of. Which is convenient for us. Right. Just just tell the, tell the people around the world to learn to speak English. That's right. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. in, in the world, there's about 7,400 languages. That's crazy. And there's only about 350 completed Bibles. Wow. And the reason people need access to this. So less than one in 20. Yeah. yeah. And that's. That's crazy. A lot of work to be done. So yeah. do you know John 3.16? Yes. Here, share, share it with us. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Now, when somebody knows a second or a third or a fourth language, yeah. at a, their very best, even if they're as fluent as we could think, they really can only get about 80% of that second language in terms of true understanding. Mm. Otherwise, they're having to use you know, a dictionary, other resources, because the same words don't always exist across languages. Yeah. So you, you take 80% of John 3.16, hmm. well, the 20% you're missing are the really difficult to understand words. So wow. what might be five words? There's 20 <laughs> words in John 3.16. Well, the hard ones right, are exactly. probably begotten. Sure. Um, you know, perish. Perish. Yeah. Probably Life, love. Love. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what you wind up sure. with is a verse that says, For God so the world that he gave his only son... And whoever in him shall not but have everlasting life. Yeah. Doesn't mean the same. It's a little sketchy. <laughs> True change comes when people have access to God's word in a language they understand. Yeah. I mean, we can speak to that from our own lives and our own experiences right. with God's word. But it has the ability to, to transform communities who have been at war mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. has the power to help people understand what does it mean to follow Christ. Yeah. So important. Yeah, amazing. So you'll be working with the translators mm-hmm. and with their children. Absolutely. Families. And uh, you guys are about to set up shop in Spain, hopefully. Yes, exactly. We're supposed to be there right now, in fact. Uh, supposed to have already been there. Yep. Right. But obviously things have changed, and who knows when it'll be safe to go. But when you do, we're just going to trust that that day's coming. Mm-hmm. When you get there, you will set up a home that'll be something of a retreat and a absolutely and a center where people can come for rest and reflection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're excited that we get to be a part of that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Currently, most of my counseling, especially in light of the current COVID nineteen crisis, is happening distance. Yeah, which is great because I can't offer that. So you are working on Skype and other Absolutely. Things right I now. did 27 hours of in of Zoom meetings and sessions super, last week and super. We'll probably have about that many this week too. Great. But in person is yeah. so much better. I bet. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, you know what? We've got a lot of people right here in this community who are anxious mm-hmm. right here in Hunt County. Uh, we found out today that we have now six active cases here in our county, which is a lot less than in some places, but it was four yesterday. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, we're not really sure. You know where all this is going, and uh, all we know is there's a lot of people out of work. There's a lot of people who can't uh, go to church right now. We've had uh, no public church services for the last three weeks. Wow! In any of our churches, um, all of our restaurants are closed except for to-go orders that you pick up at the curb. Um, it's a it's a strange time. And because of this, there is a certain amount of uh, uncertainty, mm-hmm. if not anxiety, about the future. Could I just press you into service for a moment, James, <laughs> to give sure. our city some counseling right now? How would you encourage our people here in this city uh, to face uh, what we're facing with, um, you know, confidence and hope, but also with a... Um, I guess a a good healthy dose of realism and and um, you know sober uh, sober minded uh, you know reality. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's a question for you: Is okay. anxiety good or bad? Hmm. Well, I would say it's a little bit of both. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about a yeah. parent who's watching their child run out into the street, yeah, there's a moment of fear and anxiety that helps that parent act quickly and run and get their child and bring them to safety. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, a little bit of anxiety is an alarm for us. Mm-hmm. And what's extra hard about right now is we're not talking about an irrational fear, like mm-hmm. a fear of snakes or spiders or giant yeah. squids or... yeah. Uh, these things that we don't actually come in contact with. There's there's actually some realistic aspects of fear, whether you're mm-hmm. fear of the sickness itself or of all of the consequences of that. Yeah. And and fear is taking place in kind of our brain. Right. So we have two parts. We have an upstairs brain, which is our thinking part. It's where we make decisions. It's where we, our memories are put. It doesn't develop in men until 25 which is why car insurance goes down. We don't think until we're 25. Not at our best. So prefrontal Man, cortex finishes developing at 25. There's a lot of things that are coming into focus for me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Women are earlier. There are 23 is when theirs develops. Quit rubbing it in. <laughs> yeah, I know. I keep telling Ellie, this is as good as it gets now. <laughs> and what happens is when we have fear and worry, it's actually kind of our hitting our fight, flight, or freeze response, which is this mm. downstairs releasing emotion and hormones and and it creates in a moment helpful things like heightened awareness quick thinking and responses to grab our children and bring them to safety Mm -hmm. but what's happening with this situation is that's now turned on all the time Mm -hmm. we have so much information that 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 fear and that fight or flight response is constantly activated Mm -hmm. and what we need to do is actually put our thinking cap back on top and say Mm -hmm. actually this is a part of the brain I need to activate is, is sound thinking and taking thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is very biblical of recognizing what it is that we're dwelling on. What are we thinking about that's really related to that worry? For example, a, a worrying thought might be, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm going to get sick. What might be a different thought to have there? Well, you could think, um, hmm. 
um, I need to take precautions so I don't get sick. Yeah, which is it's kind of an action that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also think things through like, well, you know, I can do the best that I can. Uh, you can yeah. bring actually it's great to bring your prayer life into this, giving mm-hmm. things to God. And that's all kind of happening in that thinking part of your brain. Okay. I see what you're saying now. And it's about taking those thoughts captive because what happens a lot of times with these things that just have lots and lots of anxiety is these anxious things are just running freely in our brain. They're just taken off. They need to be arrested. Absolutely. Taken captive. Yes. And controlled. Exactly. And it's great to bring your prayer life into that. What were you going to say, Ellie? That one one thing I like to replace my captive thoughts with yeah. are rocks of remembrance. Huh. And in other times in my life when I have had, when I've been living in other countries and really been stressed or concerned about something, um, I reflect on a time, you know, Joshua, when he crossed into the promised land, he had the men of Israel from the different tribes set up rocks of remembrance in the mm, Yes. And I go through my life. And I set up rocks of remembrance in those places of anxiety uh, that I have lived through. God has taken me through this scenario. God has given me this answer to prayer. God has provided these things in my desperate time of need. All of these things that happened in the past, but has shown God's faithfulness to me. Amen. Don't forget what he did. Mm. It's good. It's good. Okay. So I want to ask you to do as we close today. Uh, I'd like for both of you, if you would please, to reach out through this microphone to the heart of a listener who may be experiencing uh, some anxiety and needing to think and needing to remember. Can we just pray for them? Absolutely. I'd like you two to pray uh, for our listeners, and then I'll wrap up our session today. Heavenly Father, you have told us actually repeatedly in Scripture, be anxious for nothing, do not worry. But yet we are surrounded not only by real fears, but by other people who are worrying. I just ask God that your presence surround the people right now who are full of worry and fear. And I just ask God that you take that fear away from them, that you give them a reminder of who you are, And what you've promised, you've promised never to leave us or forsake us. You've promised that you love us far more than anything else that exists in all creation. And I ask God that you you help people who are in that place of fear be able to grab hold of the nature of who you are. To remember what it is that you have done for them in the past and what your promises are. And God, I just ask that through your power, you help them to release these things thoughts, these worries, these things that are that are holding on to them, that they can live safely by still making wise decisions about what they do with their life, but they can also lean into trusting you. Amen. Father God, through the incredible gift of your son, Jesus Christ, you have given us a, your Holy Spirit. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would dwell in us mightily, that we would open ourselves to your comforter, the Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would transform us. You would transform our fears, our anxieties into virtues. 
that you would transform our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the transformative love of Jesus Christ. Father, we know that you are sovereign and that history is in your hands. And Father, we ask that you would assure us of that and remind us of that daily. We ask that if we're having trouble seeing that, a friend or a neighbor or a family member would call us and remind us of that. Father, I ask that we would call our friends and our families, members and our neighbors, and we would remind them of your steadfastness throughout history, of your steadfastness in our life, and of the plans that you have promised for us in the future. Amen. Amen. His mighty hand, thank you for being with us today, James and Ellie. And now here's the host of His Mighty Hand, Pastor Chet Haney. You want to be one of the sons of Abraham? All right. Then do it by faith. You see, these Jews thought it was a matter of seed, but it was really a matter of what you see. Uh, A son of Abraham is essentially tantamount to being a son of God. Look at verse 40 now, back in John chapter 8. But the Bible says this, verse 40. Now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. I just want you to see that in context. Back up to verse 39. They said, Abraham is our father. They thought that was the truth by virtue of seed. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. Abraham would not do this. And so to say, you're just like your father, implies there might be a need for a paternity test. And you know those stupid shows on television like Jerry Springer and Martin Povich where they do those DNA paternity tests and try to set up a big conflict and people are shouting and cheering and making a big show of uh, things that are just awful, just despicable television. Well, the paternity test of God is this. You want to know whether Abraham is your father or not? Then ask this question. Is there a place for the word of God? in your heart. Uh, You're the innkeeper now. You're the owner of the hotel in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph have come to have a baby. Is there room in your heart for the living word of God, which is Jesus? Are you hungry for the word? Are you resentful of the word? Are you open-hearted and open-minded to the instruction of God? Or are you closed-minded and you don't want God to interfere with your plans because you've already got your life all figured out? Abraham's descendants thought of themselves much like many people in America think of George Washington, the father of our nation. They thought that Abraham was the father of our nation, but Jesus said, no, the history of the nation is dependent on more than just DNA and genealogy. Um, Jesus says, if you were the children of Abraham, you would act like Abraham. So let's be careful about making assumptions about DNA. Let's also be careful about making assumptions about who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth. 
You know, truth is a tricky thing. Um, you ought to be careful in your life about making decisions based on truth. Because if someone's telling you a lie and you just don't want to listen to the truth, I want to tell you something. A lie is a terrible thing to base an important decision of your life upon. And Jesus makes this so crystal clear here. In verse 41, he says, you do the deeds of your father. And they said to him in the most hateful speech, you want to see an example of hate speech? Here it is, right here in the Bible. They said, we were not born of fornication. See, that was the word that was going around on the street about Jesus. Uh, born of mysterious circumstances. They didn't really know the story of Luke chapter 2 at this time, which had not yet been written, of course. They probably had never met Mary to hear her testimony. Nobody knew exactly where Jesus came from. And so the word on the street about Jesus is that he was the child of some kind of Sexual immorality. Well, here's how Jesus answered that question. Be careful about making assumptions that you know who's telling the truth. Especially when it comes to gossip. Especially when it comes to hate speech. Especially when it comes to misunderstandings and conflict. Uh, sometimes irreparable relational conflicts are simply a matter of someone believing a lie. And it's hard not to believe a lie when you don't want to hear the truth. Some people have no heart for the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. You can explain it to them over and over, and they still won't believe it. Jesus said to them in verse 42, um, after they said, we're not born of fornication. Look what he said in verse 42. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Now Jesus is telling the truth. And for those who are willing to accept it, this is a foundational truth that can absolutely rock your world. It's the truth of the virgin birth. That Jesus came forth from the Father. And I have not come of myself, he says, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Here's the reason. Verse 43b, because you are not able to listen to my word. Some people use words like a knife. Uh, like they'll say something like this. I'm not bitter. I'm not unforgiving. I just don't like you very much. Hate speech. Charles Colton said this about hate speech. He said, we hate some persons because we do not know them very well. And we will not get to know them because we hate them. You can just see the hate in their words. And Jesus answers them with not only a lesson of biology, but also theology. Uh, Jesus is not just talking about the miracle that happened when Abraham and Sarah were able to biologically have a child of promise long after their childbearing years. But in his own virgin birth, he says, look, you are children of Abraham by believing. 
by learning who I am, by listening to my speech, by trusting in my word. You know, the Bible talks about a spirit of disobedience. We ought to be very careful not to allow the spirit of disobedience to have a place in our thoughts, in our hearts. If there's going to be a place for Jesus, some other things have got to go because they can't coexist. If there's a spirit of disobedience, surely there's also a spirit of obedience where with an open heart and mind, we settle the question, who is my real dad? I remember when Andrea Ray looked up at her dad. One of her friends had asked her, I was my first church, I was just a kid pastor, 27 years old. I knew that Dois and his wife, the Rays, his name was Dois, D-O-I-S, isn't that a cool name? And they had adopted two children who were both good-looking teenagers in our youth group out of our very first church. And everybody knew they were adopted. It's not a big deal. Nobody ever thought about that much. But one day, one of the teenage girls asked Andrea, do you ever think about your real dad? And Andrew didn't hesitate. She was ready for that question. She said, yes, I do. And there he is right there. That is my real dad. You see, remember, we are saved not by seed, but by seeing. And seeing comes through believing. And it makes you what the Bible calls in the spirit of adoption, a child of faith who is able to say, Abba, Father. And I will tell you this, if you can't stop behaving like a child of the devil, then you might need to start believing like a child of God because uh, a child of the devil can't help himself. Maybe you are a child of the devil. You say, Pastor, how did you say such a thing? Well, look at verse 44. The Bible says to those unable, unwilling to listen to the word of God, you are of your father, the devil. Now don't be insulted by this, that Jesus would say of unbelievers, you are of your father, the devil. It's not just biology, it's also theology. You don't choose your father, you are chosen by your father, especially in the spirit of adoption. That's one of the things I love about adoption is that unlike any other relationship that I know about in the human life, children of adoptive parents can know this. My parents chose to love me. They chose me. They desired me to be in their home. And I'm a father because, or I have a father because that man, my real father, wanted me to be his child. Now look at verse 44b. The desires of your father you want to do. Now, here are the desires of the enemy. He's a murderer and he's a liar. Jesus says this. Uh, verse 44b, he was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie... He speaks from his own resources. That is, when the devil lies, he does it honestly. <laughs> because that's who he is. That's exactly what comes out of his heart, is falsehood. 
He's the father of lies. And, uh, you know, the truth is, when the devil speaks and lies from his heart, um, it's exactly what we should expect. And Jesus says in verse 45, almost sort of sadly, he says, uh, because I tell the truth, you don't believe me. All I can do is tell you the truth. And that's what I'm telling you. But you don't believe me. You don't want to believe me. You're not going to believe me. Your heart is hardened against me. And no amount of speaking is going to be able to change your heart until you become willing to listen to the truth. Now let me just give you some applications. Uh, As I said a moment ago, a lie is a terrible thing to base an important decision upon in your life. For instance, decisions like, where should I go to church? How should I live my life? What are my plans, my ambitions for this day, this very day that I'm living right now? What am I going to do with my time this day? What about eternity? You know, the truth is, sometimes we get to feeling like uh, nobody uh, will accept or appreciate or listen to our testimony. And when that's the case, it's because they have no place for the truth. Thank you for sharing these few moments with us today. And if you'd like to join us at Highland Terrace Baptist Church, you have several opportunities on Sunday. Highland Terrace is located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard, right near the hospital. You can't miss it. Then in person, you might be touched by... 